Hi everyone, welcome back to the OrthoBullets podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Frederick's ataxia found under the pediatric section at orthobullets.com. Let's begin with a quick summary. Frederick's ataxia is an inherited disorder that leads to spinocerebellar degeneration due to an autosomal recessive mutation in the Freytaxin gene. The condition presents with ataxia, cardiomyopathy, motor weakness, cavovarus foot deformity, and scoliosis, usually from age 7 to 25. Diagnosis is made with genetic testing to assess for the absence of the Freytaxin gene. Treatment is initially non-operative. Corrective surgery for symptomatic cavovarus foot deformity and progressive scoliosis may be indicated over time. Now let's get into the episode. In terms of the incidence, remember that this occurs in 1 in 50,000 births. Demographically, the onset is usually between 7 and 25 years of age, and the age of onset is related to the number of the GAA repeats. In terms of the genetics, remember that this is an autosomal recessive disease, and there's a repeat mutation which leads to the lack of the Freytaxin gene. Remember that Freytaxin is a mitochondrial protein involved in iron metabolism and oxidative stress. The mutation is a GAA repeat at 9Q13. Conditions that are associated include Pes cavovarus foot, scoliosis, and remember that predictors of progression include an onset of disease before 10 years of age or an onset of scoliosis before 15 years of age, and another associated condition is cardiomyopathy, so patients should have a cardiology evaluation before surgery. Also remember that antioxidants such as coenzyme Q have been shown to decrease the rate of cardiac deterioration but have no effect on the ataxia. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will include ataxia, which is a staggering wide-based gait due to spinocerebellar degeneration. On exam, one may note the classic triad of ataxia, areflexia, and a positive plantar response. One may also note weakness, nystagmus, a cavovarus foot, which includes a very high arch, rigid deformity, and associated claw toes, and one may also note scoliosis. In terms of imaging, recommended radiographs include a standing scoliosis series and an APN lateral of the foot if pes cavovarus is present. In terms of further studies, EMGs may demonstrate defects in motor and sensory with an increase in polyphasic potentials, and nerve conduction velocities will typically be decreased in the upper extremities. In terms of treatment, for cavovarus foot, non-operative options include observation, This is only indicated in non-ambulatory patients and if the deformity is rigid and progressive and resistant to bracing and stretching as treatment. Operative options include plantar release and transfers with or without a metatarsal and calcaneal osteotomy. This is indicated in early disease in ambulatory patients. Another option is a triple arthrodesis. This is indicated in late disease in non-ambulatory patients. For scoliosis, non-operative options include observation. This is indicated if the curve is less than 40 degrees without predictors of progression. Operative options include posterior spinal fusion and instrumentation. This is indicated if the curve is greater than 60 degrees and if there is rapid progression with positive predictors of progression. Remember that this usually does not need to be extended to the pelvis. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that patients are usually wheelchair-bound by age 30 and they will usually die by age 50 from cardiomyopathy. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Frederick's ataxia, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following. All of the following are true regarding Frederick's ataxia except which one? And the answer choices are, choice one, it is caused by a repeat mutation in the free taxin gene. Choice two, physical exam shows ataxia, loss of deep tendon reflexes, 
and extensor Babinski response. Choice 3. There is neuropathy in the dorsal root ganglia accompanied by the loss of peripheral sensory nerve fibers. Choice 4. There is progressive loss of alpha motor neurons in the anterior horn of the spinal cord. Or choice 5. Age of onset is usually between 7 and 15 years. The best answer to this question is, choice 4, there is progressive loss of alpha motor neurons in the anterior horn of the spinal cord. Neuronopathy in the dorsal root ganglia, accompanied by the loss of peripheral sensory nerve fibers and the degeneration of the posterior columns of the spinal cord, is a hallmark of Frederick's ataxia. Progressive loss of the alpha motor neurons in the anterior horn of the spinal cord is characteristic of spinal muscular atrophy, not Frederick's ataxia. Frederick's ataxia is an autosomal recessive condition characterized by spinocerebellar degeneration. Prevalence is 1 in 50,000. An ataxic gait is usually the presenting symptom with onset between 7 and 15 years of age. The clinical triad for diagnosis is ataxia, areflexia, and a positive Babinski reflex. The disease is progressive, and almost all patients are wheelchair-bound by the first or second decade of life. They usually die in the fourth or fifth decade as a result of cardiomyopathy, pneumonia, and aspiration. Frederick's ataxia is characterized by degeneration of the posterior columns of the spinal cord. The primary concern for the orthopedist is the correction of foot and spinal deformities. In patients with Frederick's ataxia, the plantar reflex is sometimes so powerful that when standing is attempted, the feet and toes immediately plantar flex and the tibialis posterior tendon pulls the forefoot into equinovarus. Early on, tenotomies and bracing should be done, but once the cavovarus deformity is rigid, then a triple arthrodesis is recommended to provide a solid base of support for a fixed plantigrade foot. Scoliosis is commonly found in Frederick's ataxia. Scoliosis will usually progress if the onset of disease is before 10 years of age and scoliosis develops before age 15. The treatment recommendation is to observe curves that are less than 40 degrees and operate on those greater than 60 degrees with the gray area between 40 and 60 degrees. A single-stage posterior arthrodesis with segmental instrumentation is the treatment of choice from the upper thoracic to the lower lumbar spine. The publication by Pandelfo et al. reviews the genetics and pathophysiology of Frederick's ataxia. They report it is caused by hyperexpansion of GAA repeats in the first intron of the Freytaxin gene. Variations in neurophysiological abnormalities is correlated with the size of the GAA repeat expansion and likely accounts for individual variation in the progression of Frederick's ataxia. For the second question, consider the following. Patients with Frederick ataxia are most likely to have what condition? And the answer choices are, choice one, hip dysplasia. Choice two, malignant hyperthermia. Choice three, foot deformity. Or choice four, tibia vera. The best answer to this question is, choice three, Foot deformity. Frederick's ataxia is a spinocerebellar disorder characterized by ataxic gait, areflexia, muscle weakness, loss of proprioception, scoliosis, and foot deformity. Foot deformity can consist of varus heel, cavus deformity, and claw toes. Hip dysplasia can be associated with Charcot-Marie tooth disease, a hereditary motor sensory neuropathy. Patients with Blount disease often have progressive tibia vera and associated femoral deformity. Malignant hyperthermia has been reported in patients with myelomeningocele. That's all for this review about Frederick's ataxia. We hope that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session from OrthoBullets. 
the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on orthobullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the Orthobullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the Orthobullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the Ortho Bullets podcast.